Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. The peace of Christ be with you. We welcome you to First Baptist Church. We are grateful to be with you, whether that is through Zoom or YouTube or here in person. It is good to be together to worship on this beautiful Lord's Day. So I will remind you, this is our last 10 a.m. worship service. Uh, Just when you get used to coming at 10 a.m., we throw a curveball and move it back to 11 for you. But I hope you've enjoyed the change in schedule and maybe you've uh, been able to get home quicker for the afternoon nap instead of taking that during 11 o'clock worship. So that's always helped. The preacher always appreciates that. So thank you for that. So at this time, let us take a deep breath. Let us still ourselves and ready ourselves for the worship of God the one who claims us, the one who never lets us go. God of our hopes and dreams, we are empty, we are hungry, we are lost, gather us into your love, call us to new life.
Let us pray. Father, we come before you this day and pray that you would make your presence felt and bless our time together. We come from good times and bad times and from all different types of lives. We humbly admit we need you. We need your strength. We need your comfort. We need your grace. And we need your love. We pray and ask that you would forgive us for the sins we've committed, both in deed and in thought. Bless us with the inner peace we long for and allow us to put aside all the people and the things that have hurt us and bothered us this past week so that we can listen and be touched and inspired by your word. Prepare us and guide us as only our Savior and living Lord can. We pray that you would join us and lead us into this time of praise and worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry to announce to you that our guitar soloist today was traveling to Florida this week and car broke down in South Georgia last night on his way home. He will be here next Sunday to, do, to do, provide service music. So I appreciate uh, Leslie and Kay without having much notice got together the, the music that they're doing today and we appreciate that. So. any children want to come up for the children's sermon, you are certainly welcome to. But if you want to stay where you are, that's also fine. We have children who are watching on uh, Zoom as well. So I'm going to go ahead and offer a little children's sermon. And I, and I did have a couple of questions, so I might just let you guys pretend and answer the questions. One of the things I remember when I was a kid was that it often felt like I could never do anything important. That if it was important, that's just for the adults. That's just for the big folks. Anybody else ever felt that way when they were little? Yeah? It's just for the big folks. Well, one of the cool things about the scripture reading this morning, and it's a scripture reading that most of you know really well, it's the feeding of the 5,000. And we hear about it in John and Matthew and in Mark. We don't get it in Luke, but we get it in those three. 
And one of the most important characters in the story is guess who? A little boy. A little boy. He's got five loaves of bread and he has two fish. And he brings those up and then what does Jesus do to them? He multiplies them, doesn't he? He multiplies them. And then this whole big crowd gets fed because this little boy did something important. He shared what was his. And when we share what we have, when we share that, then God can do great and amazing things with it. You don't have to be a big person to do important things. Thanks be to God for that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all of the children that you have entrusted to us. We thank you for the joy they give us, for the creativity they offer, and for the love that they give us. Help us to love them well. Help us to nurture them. Help us to lead them in your way. Through Christ we pray. Amen. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make them known to all people for your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful and all his words, and great, great chests in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling, and raises up all who are bound down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hands, satisfying the desire of the Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is dear to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth.
Our scripture passage is from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 through 44. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elijah said, give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, give it to the people and let them eat, for thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. He set it before them, they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. John 6, 1 through 21. Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, 
for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip, Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley bread loaves left over by those who had eaten. And the people saw the sign Jesus had performed, and they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is coming into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters got rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The word of the Lord. I'm enjoying the Olympics. I don't know if y'all are watching, but I love watching the Olympics. And um, one of the events that's kind of given hope to an older dude, you know, getting close to 50, really out of shape, there's this thing called three-on-three -three basketball now. They play it on half of the court, right? I, I might like, you know, Restart my basketball career or something if I could find this old league. We just they played three on three. I've always wanted to attend the Olympic Games, and I never have. I have no idea why I did not go when it was in Atlanta, just down the road back in 96, but I didn't. But I wanted to go and to be there because there is something about attending a live sporting event that is different from watching it on home, right? To be there, to be amongst the crowd, there's just this or about being there. But the truth is, even though I like being at live sporting events, I'm, I actually prefer to watch them at home these days, right? From the comfort of my own couch. For a number of different reasons, it's cheaper, it's a lot cheaper way, way, way cheaper. It's just easier, too, because you don't have to, like, get ready. I mean, you can just, oh, yeah, cut on the TV. The seats are better. I'm really close. I got a good view. The line at the restroom's considerably shorter. Replay. Replay. I mean, I know they do replay at live events, but you're still trying to watch it on the Jumbotron, and it's just kind of hard to do. But this replay or the fact that you actually can just pause your television and run to the restroom or run to the kitchen and then you can catch back up through the commercials. I mean, that's, that's hard to beat. Really, really hard to beat. Because if you're there, no matter how good your seats are, you're going to miss some things. You might be, in fact, you could also have really good seats and sit behind someone ridiculous, right, with one of those like a really big hat or like a really big um, 
you know, the little number one thing you wave, you know, those little fake hands. I, one time I saw the Atlanta Falcons play the Washington Redskins, and I had the best seats in the house, I thought. They were like on the 50-yard line, and they were really low, and then the team came out, and I couldn't see over them. Right, like they were down that low. We thought we had the best seats. You couldn't see over the players. They're standing there, and you're like, oh, there's a football game going. Anyway, you'll miss something if you were there live. In fact, I know this guy from high school. I used to be a big boxing fan when I was in high school, and uh, my buddies and I would always get together and watch Mike Tyson. And I don't know if you remember, but Mike Tyson and uh, uh, Michael Spinks, that, that fight. We had this kid from our, our, who played baseball with us who said his dad was at that boxing match, which I don't think was actually true. But he said his dad was at the boxing match and his dad missed the entire fight because he was waiting in line at the concession stand. If you remember, it lasted like 91 seconds. <laughs> 91 seconds is all it took for Tyson to end that fight. Now, I don't think that this guy was actually there but somebody missed that, right? Somebody who paid a lot of money to go see this event was either in line at the restroom or grabbing a drink, and they missed the whole thing. I'm willing to wager that someone in that crowd of 5,000 that Jesus fed also missed the whole thing. Somebody just, they were there. Probably even ate their fair share of bread and fish. But probably had no idea where it came from. No idea what had happened. I mean, somebody was back there, right, in the back. Not really paying attention. Foods passed by. And they're like, oh, well, that looks good. And they have no idea that something miraculous has occurred. A sign, to be precise. A sign is the language that John gives to these events. And a sign is more than a miracle. In John 20, John actually tells us exactly why he wrote the gospel. He says, these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus the Messiah is the Son of God and that through believing you may have life in his name. John says, this is why I have written. This is also a good, a good way to understand what these signs are. They're not just some kind of miraculous event, but they're this event that can spark faith, belief in Jesus. It's not just something cool. It's not magic. It's a sign. Now, if you know John's gospel, you know it is very different from those other three. We call the others synoptics because they are similar to each other, and John's kind of this, this, this other gospel. John's chronology doesn't match those others at all. But that's because John isn't really concerned about chronology. He's concerned about theology, and he uses a lot of imagery and a lot of symbols. And this feeding the 5,000 is the fourth sign. It's the fourth sign. There are seven signs in John. This is the fourth one. Some folks believe that the fifth one is Jesus walking on the water, which is the latter part of the text we, we just read, which I really am not going to deal with in this, in this text. Some folks say, no, that's not one of the signs, that, that it's either the crucifixion or the resurrection. It kind of depends on how you count them, and there's some consensus on I think really what five of them are, but some of them are up for debate. Anyway, the point being, the feeding of the 5,000 is definitely a sign. And the text says it this way. It says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world. But again, I imagine that not everyone there really saw the sign. There were some people who just missed it. Now the text doesn't say this. I'm, I just want to be clear. The text doesn't say that. The text doesn't even hint at it. This is just speculation on my part. 
There are some folks who were there, they were fed, they really have no idea what happened. They were clueless. They probably even posted about it on Facebook and yet had no idea what they were talking about. The point I'm trying to make is it's very likely there were folks in the crowd who did not recognize God's grace and God's presence among them. It was right there. They even tasted it. And they did not recognize it. Now, why do I think this is the case? Because it's always the case, isn't it? <laughs> That's why I think it's the case. Because so often we are unaware. Now, I don't want to make too much out of this because, again, the text doesn't say it. And shucks, I might even be wrong. Maybe all 5,000 were tuned in and saw everything. It wouldn't be the first time I was wrong about something. Maybe everyone was completely aware. But really, the text isn't about the crowd. It's not really about the crowd. If you're going to say there's a couple of characters in it, we could say that one of the other characters that's important is this little boy who brings the fish and the bread that he has. That's true. But, but the crowd is in some ways just an afterthought. It's not what the text is about. It's not how John tells the story. John can tell the exact same story that Matthew, Mark, or Luke does, but he tells it in a different way and seems to have a different meaning with it. He's theologizing or he's preaching, so to speak. You see, the text is really more about the crumbs than it is the crowd. There's this beautiful line in there. Jesus says, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. I mean, I could just stop right there. I could have just read that, said nothing else. Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. You see, this is what John means by a sign. This is a sign of what is to come. This is a sign of the kingdom. This is a sign of who God is. God is the generous one. That's who God is. The giver. The one who feeds the hungry. The one who takes nothing and turns it into something. The one who offers grace to the undeserving. The one who loves the unlovable. The one who forgives and heals. The one who even provides food to those on the edge of the crowd who probably weren't even paying attention. And yet he still feeds them. This is the one who cares about the leftovers and the left outs. Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. You see, this God cares about all of his children. This God cares about all of his children, even those who don't realize or recognize that they're his children. It's really a one-way street. God doesn't love you because you love God. God doesn't love you because you acknowledge God. God loves you because God is God. And because you are God's child, you are God's creation. It's not dependent upon you or me. And we would do well to not forget that. We would do well to not forget that God will not forget us. God will not forget us. This God gathers up even the crumbs. When Fred Craddock was a kid, he said, I remember playing hide-and-seek with my sister once. 
and she was a really good finder or seeker. She could always find him, and he finally figured out this one place where she would never look, and he somehow crawled up under their porch. It had a lattice all around it. You couldn't really get in there. He found a hole. He crawled up under the front porch and hid under the front stairs, and he said, I could just watch her walking around, looking and looking, and I was sitting there thinking, she will never find me. And he said, I was so happy, and two or three minutes goes on, and I'm like, she will never find me. And another few minutes goes on, and finally he says, she'll never find me. <laughs> and, and so he said he eased out a toe. <laughs> and then eventually his foot. And she found him. You are not forgotten. You are not abandoned. This is the God who gathers up the fragments, the crumbs, so that nothing, so that nothing may be lost. Amen.
As we begin this time of prayer, I want to invite you to a time of silence. Use this time of silence to, to give thanks that you have been found, that this God who created you is good and faithful, and this God will not let you go. Take a few moments to ponder and to give thanks. Also want us to take a few moments to pray specifically this morning for the family of Elliot Hodges. Elliot passed away on Friday after a long battle with multiple myeloma and he leaves behind three young kids and, and a wife and let's take a moment and pray for them. Now, as we continue to pray, I'm going to do something a little different with the way that we offer names aloud this morning to, to remember. We'll off, if you'll offer a name aloud, I'll repeat that name, and then we'll just pause for a few seconds, and I want all of us to offer prayers for those people. And I'll start that by offering, um, Doug, Doug Henderson reached out to me this morning that his brother passed away last night. So let us pray for that family. I invite you to offer other names. Patricia Coferillo, we pray for her family. Now let's take a moment and pray for Susan McHugh. Let's pray for Edna Cox. Let's pray for Tim Dempsey. Let's pray for Vernon Dusenberry. Let's pray for Ruth Ann Arledge. Let's pray for Becky Hudson. Let's pray for Rita Smith. Let's pray for Arnold Radiker. Is it Arnold? Arnold Radiker. Are there others? Let's pray for Harold Burrell. Those of you joining us online, if you have names, you may unmute yourself and offer them aloud. Chad Hampton. Mike Heston and family. Let's pray for these who've been mentioned. Are there any others?
Oh Lord, we are grateful for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your generosity. You are the giver of life. You are the giver of all good gifts. We are so grateful to be your children. We are grateful that you have not forgotten us, you have not forsaken us. Help us to remember that every person we will ever encounter is a child of yours, created in your image, a person for whom Christ died. Help us to reflect you in our living. Help us to see you in others. Help us to be aware. Help us to see your grace among us. Help us to not be one of those not paying attention, who misses the beauty of you the beauty of your world, the beauty of the people you have created. Give us eyes so that we might see. Feed us so that we might feed others. We pray all of these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who has taught us to pray. And I will invite you at home, if you will unmute yourself and join us as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Amen. It has been good to worship with you. I remind you again that next Sunday we we go back to worship at 11. And uh, that worship will be available in person. It will also be available online. Sunday school for August will still only be available online in September. We plan to start a full schedule with all the activities that we normally have. But for August, Sunday school online. A a couple of you have mentioned to me that it's difficult for you to participate in Sunday school and make it to worship by 11 o'clock. Uh, So if you're one of those people, you are welcome to come to the sanctuary. We we do project Sunday school here. I will tell you we're still oftentimes running around trying to do things, so we can be a bit uh, distracting in that way. Uh, But if if, if that presents difficulty for you, you're welcome to come and, and watch Sunday school here. There is no way for you to participate in it unless you wanted to come and stand at the lectern and we could cut the mic on and put the camera on and you could ask a question that way. Uh, But if you wanted to observe Sunday school, you could do that from here. We have a kids' art day coming up this Thursday. We're looking forward to that, and thanks to all of you who are helping make that happen. Also, we have a vaccine clinic here in the church parking lot on August the 8th. Uh, Polk County Health Department has done a wonderful job of trying to get as many folks vaccinated as they can, and we're going to do anything we can do to help with that. So on the 8th, we will not be parking in the back of the church parking lot. There'll be parking, you can park all kinds of other places, and we'll be running the, the, the I almost said go-kart, the golf cart. Uh, we'll be running the golf cart uh, and shuttling you, and we'll designate one spot where folks who may need transportation, where we'll pick you up and we'll drop you off right at the door. Uh, we'll make it really easy. So if you, if you know anyone who hasn't been vaccinated, who, who might be persuadable, Um, tell them that they have an opportunity on August the 8th. I think with the uh, Delta variant rearing its ugly head, um, the the only way that we truly uh, get out of this is to get more and more people vaccinated. So let's do whatever we can um, to make that happen. 
All right, that's enough rambling on announcements. It has been good to worship with you. Here's the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother. Children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. I'll be at this door.